we're going to be continuing our sermon series on a life of rest, looking at Exodus 33, verses 12 to 23. So Exodus 33, verses 12 to 23. Page 139, if you're using the Bible in the pew. A timely message indeed. God's good word. And before I read the word, I'd like to pray for us to be able to hear and receive God's word. So would you pray with me? Lord, um, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, and our response to your word. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. I want to um, start this morning's sermon with a little story that comes from a book. It's a biography of a missionary, Amy Carmichael, titled Beauty for Ashes um, by Ian Murray. Maybe some of you have, um, are familiar with the missionary, Amy Carmichael. But she faced a situation of um, crisis and turmoil, and I'd like to share this with you as we start to reflect on Moses and the crisis and turmoil that he was experiencing. And so Amy Carmichael, I can't give you her whole story, but I was, um, she was brought to my attention by reading a book called um, Fearless Daughters of the Bible. And as I was reading this book, they referenced this missionary 
who just had inspired so many by her life and also by her writings. And about two weeks ago, I felt the prompting, the nudging of the Lord, go get a biography and read about Amy Carmichael. So I did. And what I found out is that this woman who was single and grew up in England had a call to um, be a missionary, and she was in India. And it was actually 1901, and she was there as an evangelist, a traveling evangelist, Um, Just like the men were traveling evangelists, she was a traveling evangelist spreading the gospel. And one night in a church, a little girl was brought to her, about six years old. And she was a single woman. She didn't have any children. And um, she didn't know what to do, so she just picked this child up, kissed it, and set it on her lap. And wondered, well, I wonder, you know, what I'm supposed to do with this child. Well, this child had escaped from the temple that was in town. What was the child doing at the temple? The child, basically, they don't use the words child prostitution, but that's what was happening, was trafficking of this child in the service of the temple, um, in worship services. And so, anyway, the child had escaped. And so suddenly a missionary has a child to take care of, that she doesn't know how to take care of children. And as she learned more about what was happening, she and others started praying for the children and that the children would be protected and would be able to be rescued. Well, what happened after a number of years is it grew. And the ministry grew to where there was 1,850 girls and 675 boys who had been um, able to escape this nightmare. There was the need for food and clothes and gardens and kitchens and dormitories. And if you can imagine all those children, they needed medical care. And so she had been praying and praying for medical care for these children. Well, the Lord seemed to answer the prayer and um, brought a husband and wife and an adult son The husband and wife were both doctors, and so they came to join the mission. And then their son was a recent Cambridge um, graduate in theology, and so they all three came to um, join the mission there, which Amy um, oversaw this whole ministry in India. And so it seemed like her answers to her prayers were there, and yet within six months, The um, couple that were doctors disagreed with her on where the hospital should be built, and they left. And so there went what seemed to be the answer to the medical care need. And then their son stayed back, but he had had some different training in his theological education and did not uphold the integrity and the inspiration of Scripture, which was the very foundation of the ministry, it was the source of the joy that these children and this this um, campus was known for the joy of the children and um, the praises and the worship of the Lord and Scripture was absolutely the foundation. And so, Amy was very unsettled. She lost her sense of peace as she's waiting on Lord. What is happening here? What is going on? She's praying, and she knows that she needs to address this. And she wrote in her um, memoirs, a most miserable time, a dreadful time of distress, 
No one could imagine how difficult things are. And then she wrote of November 28, 1925, one of the saddest, very saddest nights of my life. And the next day she had to ask the young theologian to leave. And so um, Amy needed God's settling presence to give her rest and peace in the midst of unexpected turmoil. Moses needed God to give him rest and peace in the midst of unexpected turmoil. This passage of scripture that we read comes just after the incident with the golden calf. For those of you that maybe are familiar with the Bible stories, what happened is Moses was up with um, the Lord on a mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Well, for 40 days he was up there, and the people got restless. And what did they do? They didn't try to bring, bring Cambridge theology into the camp, but they brought Egyptian culture into the camp, and they started worshiping an idol. They went back to the ways that they had been exposed to when they were in slavery. They went back to worshiping a calf. And so Moses comes down from this glorious time of meeting with the Lord and receiving the instructions of God that would bring peace to people because they would flourish under these guidelines. And what happens? He encounters this situation where his his trusted leaders had allowed this to get completely out of hand and actually had been involved with making the calf, the idol. And so sin had consequences. And what the Lord said is, I'm not going to be able to continue to go with you. I won't be present with you. You're going to need to lead these people, and I'm not going to go with you. I might destroy them if I'm even there for a moment with them because they are stiff-necked, rebellious, independent people. You see, sin separates us from God. And so there was a consequence. And Moses there is wondering, where is the peace in the midst of this? And it's interesting that from the beginning of chapter 33, where the Lord's announcing that he's not going to be present with them anymore, he'll send an angel to go with them to lead them where they're going, but he's not going to be present with them anymore. It's interesting that right in the middle is this beautiful picture of Moses in the tent of meeting. So that Moses and the Lord have this intimate friendship, and Moses would pitch a tent outside the camp a little ways and meet with the Lord, and whenever Moses would go in the tent, the glory of the Lord would fall, and all the people would watch from their tents, and they would worship God because he was meeting with their leader. And so Moses and the Lord were having this close friendship. Moses longs for the presence of the Lord to not be apart from him anymore. And so Moses is lacking peace because the Lord has announced that he won't be present as they journey on from there. God had promised protection. He said, I'm going to drive out before you all of these people that are in the promised land. So you're going to have military success as you make the advances into this promised land. You're going to a land of milk and honey, so there's going to be provision. But that was not the same as the presence of the Lord himself with them. Protection and provision does not equal presence. And so God's presence was needed. It was vital 
for the day-to-day ongoing activities, and that's why Moses was encountering the Lord and asking and praying for his presence to go with them. Moses knew the strong presence of the Lord. He had made headline news more than once. And so, yes, there was the parting of the sea. Remember that big headline news where God was present and parted the sea so that the people could go through? But that wasn't the only issue that Moses had faced with these people. There had been uprisings and rebellions, so much so this is a little um, cartoon about, well, you know, Moses isn't the only one that God's spoken through. Actually, Miriam and um, his cousin had come against Moses' leadership, even those that were closest to him. And so then um, there's these things that rise up against, and so Moses knew he needed God's presence day by day by day. There had been attacks from the enemy, betrayal from family members, the golden calf incident. And I even imagine that just this journey of going through the wilderness must have just been tedious And he wanted that loving presence, that peace that comes from knowing that you are protected and that the one who is protecting you is right there with you, holding you, even as I'm watching Rebecca holding the baby, that the Lord would be that close, holding, holding. Amy Carmichael knew she needed the presence of God. It wasn't just the time when she needed to ask the the, um, director and the son to leave. But actually, she had faced many unmet expectations, things that would throw her off, that would try to rob her peace. When she first felt called to the mission field, she applied and she got rejected by the first missionary agency because of her medical condition. I think she had like a neuralgia or something that was ongoing. And they said, no, you're not equipped to go to the medical field or to the missionary field. Then she had gone with another agency to, I think it was Japan, got sick there and had to leave. Her peace was unsettled again. She needed the presence of the Lord with her. When she was a traveling evangelist and suddenly a child, she's single and she's going to take care of a child and what she thought was going to be her ministry was suddenly switched and the Lord and his sovereignty had a different plan. She needed the peace and the presence of the Lord. She said this even about the ordinary day-to-day. She said, there's always hindrances, just simple and ordinary. The crush of other duties around one the impossibility of assured quiet for even an hour stretch, remember, with about 2,000 children to care for. Uh, can you imagine? Just saying. All right. The lack of invigorating influences for who finds the plains of India invigorating. But I have been splendidly helped. Even the mundane sometimes can throw off our equal, you know, we, we just aren't, we're restless We aren't having peace, even maybe sometimes in the mundane things of life. And so she needed peace. She needed peace when there was a missionary that was so helpful to her, and suddenly his wife got sick and had to go back to the um, European continent, and then he himself went away for a, um, you know, he was a traveling evangelist also. He went away and 
they had been having this conversation about people who have to serve alone on the mission field. And she said, oh, that would be dreadful. And he said, well, you won't ever have to worry about that. And he died that week of cholera, unexpected, picked it up and died within a few days. Well, she didn't have to go alone because the Lord was with her, but she needed that assurance of God's presence with her to bring that peace. And this is what she said in one of her writings, the love of God suffices for any disappointment, for any defeat. And in that love is the energy of faith and the very sap of hope. And when we think of sap, you know, first of all, it's kind of like saying, you know, what is that zap like nothing? But actually what it's saying is that's the lifeblood of hope is the love of God. So how um, Andrew preached last week about abiding in the vine, abiding in the word, receiving the nutrients of the Lord, the Lord through the word and through his presence. We need the Lord's love because it's the energy of faith and the very sap, the very lifeline, the very nourishment that comes that brings hope. God's presence with us. It's his presence and he is love. Moses' prayers are really a gift of grace. Think about it, that prayer is this gift. The Lord didn't have to give us the opportunity to pray, but he gave us the opportunity to pray. And Moses' prayers are this gift of grace as he advocates for God's mercy in the situation. Moses wants the full assurance that God will be present with him and the people without judgment, which is a big thing to ask when you're talking to a holy God and the wages of sin is death. And somehow God in his grace responds, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But the promise is that God's presence will go with Moses. I will give you rest. I will go with you and I will give you rest. And how does Moses respond? He responds in a very community-minded way. Because, you see, we're not individuals. We're part of a body of Christ. We're part of a chosen people. And so Moses brings up and highlights, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anybody know that you're pleased with me and your people Unless you go with us, what will distinguish me and your people? See, he's community-minded. He's praying and advocating that God would go with all the people and be present. God may have responded in that way that I will go with you just to let Moses be able to articulate what's really on his heart. And what's on Moses' heart is he's saying, these people need you more than they need me. It's his humility. It's Moses' humility and realizing and naming, we all need you, God. We need your presence. Moses says, teach me your ways. And I don't know if you remember back to that very first sermon in the um, A Life of Peace, but you um, read from that scripture from Matthew where Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you take up my yoke and learn from me learn from me and when we looked at that sermon in the very first one 
Jesus is saying, learn from me. Be yoked with me so that we're together 24-7, 365, and you're so familiar with me because we're always walking together and you're learning my ways. And Moses is saying, teach me. Be present to us. Teach us your ways. Lord, be present. Let us learn from you. The Lord agrees. And then Moses prays this prayer. Now show me your glory. The glory of God is the weightiness of God, the holiness of God, his otherness, how he's different than every other human. Moses is asking for more than the pillar of fire and the cloud. He's asking for an intimate relationship, a revelation of God. Show me your very self. Sometimes we hear that pursuit of like, we're going to have a glory night or a glory day or, you know, we just want the Lord's glory. Like maybe we just want the Lord's fireworks. And what the Lord's saying is, what you need is to know about my goodness, which includes the fireworks, which includes all kinds of manifestations of his power. But you need to know that all of that is about my goodness and my love. And I'm going to pass in front of you and I'm going to declare my name, the Lord, the ever-present, close, intimate God to you, the covenant-keeping, loving God. I'll reveal my nature to you. I'll be merciful. I'll show compassion. This is who I am. The Lord says, I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock until I have passed by. I'm emphasizing and wanting you to see that that word pass by is there three times. That word is used in the Greek New Testament and in the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. The same word is used a couple other places, and this is just fascinating pass by it's when jesus came out on the water in mark 6 8 he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them shortly before dawn he went out to them so he was present walking on the lake he was about to pass by them that's always been kind of confusing to me because he comes out at their most vulnerable point but then it says he was about to pass by Another place where this same word is used is the um, prophet Isaiah. Remember, he had had this mountaintop experience where he had called down the fire when he was fighting or trying to show which God was really true and he was against all the false prophets had raised up. Do you remember that story? Some people, yes, you remember that story? So there had been this big showdown up on Mount Carmel. And a big victory, and then Elijah had prayed and prayed, and brought the Lord brought the rain in response to Elijah's prayers. So these incredible, you might want to say glory moments, and then one threat that he's going to be killed, and he goes running for his life, leaves his post, and he's ready to just be done with it all out in the wilderness. The Lord strengthened him and met him there, And then the Lord said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Again, God's going to be present to him. For the Lord is about to pass by. 
All right, so that same word, pass by for the disciples, the Lord's going to pass by for Isaiah, the Lord is going to pass by Moses. That pass by means come to the aid of, to graciously attend to the need of another. It does not mean I'm going to neglect you because I'm going to actually just kind of walk on by you and ignore you. When he's coming to pass by, he's coming to the aid of and to graciously attend to the need of. The Lord's going to show compassion. He's going to show mercy. He's going to give the grace that's needed in every situation. There's this prophetic act that God's going to do for Moses. He says, when my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by, and then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. Three things I want you to see in this very significant prophetic picture is that it's God that's putting Moses in the rock, and remember that Jesus Christ is the solid rock on which we stand, right? That God is saving, it's a picture of God saving, And it's actually an Old Testament picture of what's to come of being in Christ, right? So this picture of being put in Christ to be in the safe place of the rock. Jesus is our rock. The Lord says he's going to take his hand and he's going to put him there and he's going to cover him. It's the tender part of God's hand, that tender protective covering where he's going to put Moses in the rock and keep him in safety. And then we kind of get hung up. Well, can he see his back or can he see his face? What's he talking about here? Why is he saying, you can see my back? It would make sense that if you're allowing God to lead and you're learning from him, you're going to be following him. And so you're going to be seeing his back. And so that's what he's talking about, is that I'm going to take the lead. I'm going to be your protector, your defender. I'm going to show you the way to go. I'm going to be your guide, and you're going to watch my back, and you're going to come right along with me. It's a prophetic act. It's a prophetic act that gives us and points us towards this Passion Week where Jesus comes to pass by us in our point of greatest vulnerability and need and our sin. Jesus comes to pass by us. There's so much more that I'd like to say to you about, not so much more, but some more, that I'm saving for Friday night's um, Good Friday service. There's some things about looking at God's hand, looking at his back, thinking about what Jesus has done as he comes to pass by us. He comes to help us for eternity. And the Lord says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. When I was teaching in England, I was introduced to this painting that I had not heard about before, but I guess there was an art exposition, and there was a commissioning of painting a picture of peace. And so the two paintings that they narrowed it down to One was idyllic. It was like sunshine, flowers in a field, just everything, what you would think of, peace and glorious, right? And then there was this picture, and actually this was the picture, I think, that won 
This is the picture of peace. And um, it's this incredibly dramatic lightning, the waterfall and so forth. And um, there, about a third of the way up in the center, there's a tiny little rock projection. And if we could enlarge that, which I don't know that we can, but there's a little bird that's built a nest in the cleft of the rock. And it's sitting on its perch, just as peaceful as can be, with a storm all around it. This is the picture of what's possible when God is present with us. When he puts us in the rock, no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what's trying to crash in on us, or if we got out of that place, take us down and take us out, Jesus is present with us. We are in Christ. And because of his presence, day by day by day, there is not a moment that we have to fear. We will not be alone. Those that are in Christ, he's with. He is with us. And so it's in his ongoing presence that we can have rest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who will show mercy on whom you'll show mercy, that you'll show compassion on whom you'll show compassion, and that you've chosen a people, that you respond to our prayers, and that you say you will be with us. Lord, help us to learn to be aware of your presence. Lord, remind us when we forget where we are, whose we are, the protection that we have in you. Lord, I pray that in this week that you'll give us even a greater understanding of the cost, what it took to have this relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us to sit in that safe place of being in your presence and to be strengthened and encouraged even as you've done through the years. Lord, do it again. Teach your people to live in your constant presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.